0: Now turn with me tonight to Paul's epistle to the Romans, Romans chapter (coughs) 1. Romans chapter (coughs) 1. Let's read the word of God from verse 15 Romans chapter 1 verse 15 if you find the place let's hear the reading of God's precious infallible word Romans 1 verse 15 so as much as in me is I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to every one that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but become vain in their imagination and their foolish heart was dark and professing themselves to be wise they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to, to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie, and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed for ever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was made. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventor of evil things, disobedient to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful, with who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but of pleasure in them that do them Amen we'll end the reading there at verse 32 and we know God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures now my text tonight is taken from Romans chapter 1 and the verse 20 and my theme tonight is a two-worded sermon, and it's this, without excuse. The word excuse is found three times in the Bible. Luke 14, verse 18, Second Corinthians 12, verse 19, and Romans 1 and 20. So you've got the text, Romans 1 and 20, two words in the text, without excuse now in romans chapter 1 verse 15 we learn that the apostle paul indicates to the believers at rome to whom he was writing that he longs to come to them in the will of god and preach the gospel in rome also he informs them quite categorically and joyfully that he's not ashamed of the gospel of christ He believes, of course, in his heart that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Now, of course, it's interesting as far as ancient Rome is concerned, like many modern cities today right across the world, there's no love for Christ or an appetite for the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And yet in his heart, the Apostle Paul knows what ancient Rome needs. They need to hear the true gospel message. He knows that their hearts and minds are filled with philosophy, filled with superstition. They have deeply ingrained religious beliefs. And what they didn't need was more philosophy, more superstition, more ingrained religious beliefs. No, what they needed was the clear, plain presentation of the gospel in the power of the Holy Ghost. The word power is dynamos from which we get the English word dynamite. And as far as Apostle Paul is concerned, whenever he would get to Rome, his ambition in going there was to preach the gospel. And of course the heart of Paul's gospel message centered in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was born for sinners, lived a sinless life for sinners, died an atoning death for sinners, rose again bodily from the dead for sinners, and now lives in the power of an endless life for sinners who may saved by his free sovereign grace. So what do you think of the heart of Paul's message? I want you to think of the Apostle Paul heralding forth this gospel message, whether it was to the Jew or to the Greek, whether it was in the land of Spain or in the land of Italy. Paul wanted to go there, and Paul wanted to cry out to all who would listen, Thus and thus saith the Lord. Isn't it interesting, as we read on in Romans chapter 1, When we come to verse 18, we discover that he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. And what the Apostle Paul does in Romans chapter 1 verse 18, right through to Romans chapter 3 verse 20, is he begins to set forth in great detail what he believes to be the very heart of the problem, whether in ancient Rome or in Spain or in places like Corinth and Ephesus and elsewhere. He doesn't mess about. He doesn't mince his words. If we were to ask him, Paul, what is the greatest problem in Rome? Is it educational? Is it the environment? Is it security issues? Is it health care? Is it employment? What about the treatment of slaves? His answer would be none of those things, important as they are, are not the heart of the problem. If we were to ask the same question, what is the heart of the problem today in our modern society in the 21st century? Is it educational? Is it environmental? Is it national security issues? Is it health care and its failures? Is it employment legislation, employment law? Is it Brexit? Is the heart of the problem really to do with the introduction of abortion? Is the heart of the problem bringing in same-sex marriage laws? No. And a thousand times no. The most important issue as far as the Apostle Paul was concerned was a spiritual issue. The issue of how to deal with the sinfulness of the human heart. Because Romans chapter 1 verse 18, right through to Romans chapter 3 verse 20, deals with a detailed description of the sinfulness of the whole of the human race. The most important matter, he's saying, in the whole world, is one's personal Practical relationship With the God of heaven And of course we know We live in an age like an ancient time When men and women Young people put all sorts of excuses up They bring forth arguments Arguments against the church Arguments against the Bible Arguments for the existence of God And so on and so forth And they dismiss it all By a sheer obstinate unbelief but it still doesn't change the fact as Paul introduces us in verse 20 to the fact that they are without excuse when it comes to God when it comes to the gospel men and women are without excuse and I want us to think about our theme tonight without excuse and I want to give you four reasons Why men, not only in the ancient world, but in the modern world, are without excuse. Here's four reasons why all men are without excuse. Firstly, the wonderful revelation of God renders you without excuse. Look with me at verse 19. Romans 1 verse 19. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. You see, men and women tonight have some knowledge of God in their heart and mind. God has given them that knowledge. God has implanted that knowledge. God has imparted this knowledge. Now it's not a saving knowledge. I want you to understand it's a general knowledge of God. Look with me at verse 28. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. That means they had God in their hearts and minds. That means they had some knowledge of God and his existence. Mankind has some general knowledge of God. Who he is, what he's like. And the way that he works, I want to stress—it's not a full and complete knowledge. I want to stress tonight that it's not a, 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 a saving knowledge of God. This is a general knowledge that God has been pleased in common grace to give. So it's a—it's a—it's a common, gracious knowledge of God. I want you to understand that this is a general knowledge, an awareness, a consciousness that God is, that God exists. And what I'm saying tonight is, this is a given knowledge. God has shown it unto them. God has implanted it. God has imparted it to them. I want you to think also that this is what I'm calling a, a generic knowledge for the sake of alliteration. God has planted this in all men universally. All men All women, young people, boys and girls, have a sense, have an awareness, have a consciousness of God. And God has put it there. That's the way he has made us. Isn't that interesting? This is true of every soul. No exceptions. Jews and Gentiles alike, no matter if they're religious or non-religious, no matter if they're rich or poor educated or not, no matter if they're a prince on the throne or a pauper in the street, it's a fact. In their hearts and minds, all men are stamped with a consciousness and an awareness of God. Remember when the Apostle Paul went to Athens? Athens, of course, was a city full of idolatry. There were statues everywhere. There were icons in every corner. And the place was given over to religious superstition and idolatry. The city was full of it. So much so that the Apostle Paul, Acts 17, tells us that he was grieved in his heart. In other words, he was vexed that the city was given over to idolatry. And in the midst of it all, he came across an altar. And this altar had an inscription. And this is what it says. To the unknown God. And Paul used that as a starting point. And his message was, you've got an altar here to the unknown, God. That's how superstitious you are, how silly you are. But let me tell you about him. And he went on to tell them that you have a consciousness of a supreme being who's higher and outside of yourself. You do not know him perfectly or in a saving way, but you do have an awareness and a consciousness that there is a God. Of course, it's true that many want to put him out of their hearts and minds, but God is there. It was John Calvin who said, God has planted the seed of religion in every man. And he was using the word religion, not in rites and ceremonies, in the sense of an awareness of God. This is not only a, a general knowledge, this is not only a generic knowledge, but this is a, a great knowledge. This, I believe, is confirmed by one's conscience. Look with me at verse 32 for a moment. It says, and we'll come back to this, "...who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but of pleasure in them..." That do them. You see the ungodly have a conscience. And the ungodly know right from wrong. And they know such a thing. Is under the judgment of God. They know that right and wrong deserves the wrath of God. They know that wrongdoing and sinfulness deserves God's judgment and punishment. Hi. How do they know there's a God? A God who is holy and just and righteous. Here's the answer. Their conscience with which they were made acts as a witness within their heart and mind, not only to the fact of their sinners. This is a, 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 a general witness, a, a, an internal witness. And the conscience acts as a reminder to them of the reality of a God as the living and the true God, as a God who judge them at the end of their day. So it's a great knowledge It's also confirmed by creation Remember what we read in Psalm 19 And in the verse 1 The psalmist made a tremendous statement Psalm 19 is all about um, general revelation And spiritual revelation The first six verses are about general revelation The rest of the text, 7 through to 14 Is about special revelation But listen to verse 1 psalm 19 the heavens declare the glory of god and the firmament showeth his handiwork day on the day uttereth speech and night on the night showeth knowledge there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard i want you to link that up with romans chapter 1 and verse 20 paul says for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead, so they are without excuse. You see, the earth and all around us tonight acts as a great external witness. Not only have we got an internal witness, our conscience, that tells us there's a God who is holy and just and righteous, who will punish sin, but also the earth and all around us acts as a great external witness. The earth around us testifies to us that there is a God. The whole of creation draws our mind back to the reality of God as creator. If there's a creation, then there's a creator. And we believe, of course, there is a creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. He made it in six literal 24-hour days. And because there's a creation tonight, there's a creator. And we're dependent on him. And in Him we move and live in a being, and we're accountable to Him. You think of it tonight the sun in the sky, the stars that shine at night, a blade of grass in the field, a, a rose in the garden, a tree laden with fruit, a snowflake, a raindrop, the thunder, the lightning, the seasons of the year they all testify to the existence of God. God is seen in the works of creation. And what is seen of God? Romans chapter 1 verse 20. Look, look, look at it again. It's, it's important that you grasp this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. How? Being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power in Godhead. God is seen in the work of creation. His eternal power and Godhead. There is a God. He's the living and the true God. There's no God beside him. And God has given us this witness of himself. Not only in conscience but in creation. In the things that he has made. Why? So that no man is without excuse. You see tonight there is a God. God has revealed himself to you. And has given you a general knowledge. It's generic, it's right across the whole world, it's universal, and it's a great knowledge. And if you refuse him, if you fail to acknowledge and honour him, if you refuse to love and serve and worship him as such, then I want to tell you tonight, you're without excuse. Without excuse because of the wonderful revelation of God. But they're also rendered without excuse because of the wicked rejection of God. Look, look at Romans chapter 1 verse 18. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, think of this reference, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What does that mean? It's a reference, not that men hold on to the truth, or men hold aloft the truth for all to see and hear. The Greek meaning is to hold back the truth, to, to hold the truth in suppression, to, to, to fight against the truth. If you link it up with verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. The picture is an individual rejecting the knowledge of God, fighting against it. It's the sinner who wants nothing to do with God. Remember the Bible says, Psalm 14, verse 1, it says it twice. Psalm 53, verse 1, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. There is, as in italics, the fool have said in his heart, no God. And I want to tell you tonight, this is an intentional rejection of God. This is deliberate. The the unrighteous and the ungodly push this to the one side. In their minds and in their hearts they fight against it. This is not accidental. This is not something done by a mistake. No, this is intentional and deliberate part of an anti-God policy. They do not want God. They reject Him. I want to tell you something else. This is an individual rejection. And what does it flow from? It flows from man's pride. Look at verse 22. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools. See, men think they're better and wiser and greater than God. Was not the devil's lie, at least in part, to Adam? Ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. God doesn't want you to take of this fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because the moment you do that, you'll be as wise as God, Adam. And of course, Adam disobeyed. And we know that spiritual death came into the world through Adam, wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Adam doubted what God said. Ye shall surely die. The devil, of course, whispered into his ear, Ye shall not die. And he believed the lie of the devil. And spiritual and physical and eternal death at that moment entered into the world. The Bible says the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And this individual rejection, it flows from man's pride. It also flows from unthankfulness. You, You think tonight, it says in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Base in gratitude of the sinner. See, every one of us tonight, every one in the whole world, owes their existence a God. And Him we move and live in a being. Acts seventeen verse twenty eight. Our life, our health, our strength, the very air that we breathe, is all given to us as a gift by God. And yet you think of men tonight in the rejection of God. Even though God has blessed them with these benefits of life and health and strength, many other gifts beside daily loaded them with benefits, they have no love for God. It's as if they take all the blessings, all the benefits, and yet they say in their heart, in their mind, No God! It flows from unthankfulness. It also flows from base desire. It says in verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. You see, they refused to recognize him as God. They refused to accept that they're dependent on him. In him, They move and live in a being. They, they refused to accept that they're accountable to him. They, 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 they wanted glory for themselves. They were full of vain, empty imagination. They were full of a a foolish heart and therefore easily and readily and quickly they embraced sin and wickedness. You think tonight of the calls for abortion and demand. You you think of the desire for same-sex marriage in the United Kingdom, in Republic of Ireland. You think tonight of the worship of idols. Men bowing down to stone and to trees. You, you think of the, the embracing of false religion. Any crazy harebrained scheme that men can come up with. Men will embrace it readily and quickly. Some great thing. But when it comes down to the knowledge of God. That God is. And they're dependent on him and accountable to him. No, there's a wicked rejection of God. And that wicked rejection of God renders men without excuse. I have to say tonight it's a sign of spiritual madness. We do live in perilous times. Where does this flow from? This pride, this unthankfulness, this base desire. It all flows from a rejection of God not retaining God in their knowledge living as they please doing what's right in their own eyes with no reference to God living without God the gospel means nothing to them let me ask you tonight does that describe you? have you your fist up in rebellion to God? are you like Pharaoh who is the Lord that I should obey him? Are you saying in your heart tonight, no to God? As creator and maker. No to God as redeemer. No to God as the shepherd and bishop of Israel. No to God as the the greatest friend of all in Christ. I want you to think, thirdly, here's another reason why we're without excuse. There's a woeful retribution from God. If we go back to verse 18 it says For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven Against all ungodliness and righteousness of man." The doctrine of the wrath of God today Is out of sync In This modern world um, And yet the apostle Paul As he leads off his introduction Of the gospel that he is not ashamed of Leads off not with a message about a God of love, as you've expected. But a message where he elaborates and states, not love, but wrath. I can just hear some saying, but Paul, you're not going to win converts by such an approach. But Paul knows that the heart of the problem is that men and women, Jew and Gentile, need to understand God's wrath against our sinfulness. And every Christ, uh, God-rejecting sinner must be brought face to face with the wrath of God because the wrath of God is revealed in the Gospel. Think of Christ becoming a sacrifice for sin. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? I want to tell you this is regal wrath. It's based on the fact that God is absolutely sovereign and supreme. He is ultimate authority for the destiny of all men. This is real tonight. This is not the stuff of myths and legends. And this is right. It's exactly fair and it's perfect. And no man could argue against it. If you think of the wrath of God being revealed from heaven... Think of judgment now. Look with me at verse twenty four. It says, Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Look at verse twenty six, for this cause God also gave them up unto violent factions, for even their women to change the natural use into that which is against nature. And again in the verse twenty eight that even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And I want to say tonight. This is part of God's judgment here and now. God giving sinners up to their own ways, to their own uncleanness, to their own vile affections, to a reprobate mind, to do that which is right in their own eyes. And that's what we said this morning in relation to the referendum 2 to 1 in favour of the repeal of the 8th Amendment of the Irish Constitution. It was God giving them up. The whole of the nation to do that which is right in their own eyes contrary to his law. God withdrawing himself Drawing the, the wonder Of his gracious work in the soul God leaving them alone God Taking off the restraint God Withdrawing his common grace At work in their life And as the course of life unfolds, They're drawn Downward into a spiral Of a horrible sinful lifestyle they're given up to lust, the desires of their own heart and mind. Isn't that what happened to the prodigal? Did the father stop the prodigal going out the door? Did he put up a fight with him? Did he refuse to give him his lot, his inheritance? No, I'm sure he, as a broken-hearted father, let his boy go, walk down the path. And what did the boy walk into? The far country, riotous living. For, for how long? We don't know. You see, the way of the transgressor's hard. You think of the celebrities tonight and their state of drunkenness and drug addiction, and think of the many early deaths. And they discover, of course, that there is such a thing as judgment in this life. And the evidence of that is God has given them up, God has left them alone, and they're God is not speaking to them, God is not dealing with them. And of course, there's judgment in the world to come. You can't ignore God, Christ, the gospel and his law without consequences. Because one day, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. One day the book shall be opened. And God will judge them out of the things that are written in the book. And in that day, they'll be without excuse. On that day, they'll be speechless. Why are they without excuse? Because of this wonderful revelation of God. Why are they without excuse? Because of this woeful retribution of God. Why are they without excuse? Because there's a wonderful redemption from God. See, when Paul comes to Rome, he comes with a message. It's a message from God. I have a message from God for you. This is what the gospel is. The gospel starts with God. It's all of God and all of grace. And God's message is about his remedy for human sinfulness. Paul is introducing the sinfulness of the whole world before he he introduces anything else. Here's the need for the message. The message is good news. But why do they need it? Because of the sinfulness of the heart. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. (coughs) And God's message, of course, centres in the personal work of Christ. It's Christ that saves. It's not the church. It's not membership of the church we preach. It's a a relationship with God. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And and God's message calls sinners to repentance. There was a time when, when God winged at the entrance of men. But now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Sinners are summons to repent, be sorry enough to quit their sin, and to believe the gospel, to put their faith and trust in Christ. And, and God's message it involves a a, a a call to um, lovingly serve and worship the Lord uh, as far as the Christian life is concerned. God's message involves a way of escape from sin and its consequences, from, from hell and judgment to come. And God's message is about the promise of heaven and home at the end of the life a wonderful redemption and yet that message renders men without excuse how many times have you heard the gospel tonight this message that Paul brought to Rome or wanted to bring to Rome this message that has come to our shore every time you hear the gospel you're without excuse and in that day, if you die in your sins and you stand before the Lord and the books are opened, you'll be reminded whatever Sabbath night it was or whatever week night it was in the Gospel mission, every time you heard the Gospel every time you were given a tract every time someone tried to witness it will all render you without excuse. Four reasons why we're without excuse. I want you to think about them tonight this gracious revelation of God. I want you to think this evening of this wicked rejection of God, this woeful retribution by God, and this wonderful redemption of the Lord. May the Lord take his word and bless it to your understanding this evening.